have your Bibles tonight, we're interested in the third chapter of the book of Mark. Mark chapter number three this evening. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter three. I want to begin reading tonight in the 13th verse, and I'll admit as I've studied here along these lines these last few weeks, I'm a little bit hung up on these verses, and it may take me some time uh, to finish them. And you may say, oh boy, we've done it now. We shouldn't have come here and preached this evening. It may take me weeks to preach this, amen? Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And he goeth up into a high mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that they might send, that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. I want to preach tonight on this thought from this text. Called to serve. Called to serve. Now I want to tell you something. Some of us, we feel like we've been called to sit sour if we ain't careful because we're not serving. Some of you think you're called to sit and soak. Then you'll sour. And I'm just telling you tonight, God's called us to a place of service. Now I want you to think about something. God has entrusted his work to common, ordinary people like you and me. Now, now think about it. Jesus came to the earth, bled and died upon the cross for the sins of mankind. He was buried, and on the first day of the week, he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And we know that after 40 days, he was ascended back to his father. Now, if you will, just for a minute, as he walks into the the, into heaven in the glory, can you just imagine the angels that they might ask him, did, master, did you accomplish your task? What would he say? Yes, I have finished. It is finished. And the angels, they say, Jesus has the whole world heard your name and heard your gospel. No. What is your plan? Well, I've called 12 disciples to carry my message to the world. And they said, lowly, lifeless, Simon Peter, what if he fails? And then what if John cowers in fear? And what if James doesn't share the message? What is plan B? What if these men of low limitations, these common, ordinary men, what if they fail? What's plan B? Jesus says, there is no plan B. Plan A is that Jesus has called us lowly, common, ordinary people to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. That's plan A. And if you're saved tonight, you're saved to serve. You're called to serve. Your job and my job is to carry the gospel to the ends of the world. That is plan A 
Honey, there is no plan B. Now, if God wanted to, think about it. He could have made the clouds to, to stretch out like a scroll and the word of God be printed on it so that everybody could just look up and read the gospel. If he wanted to, he could have dropped Bibles out of the sky so that everybody would have the, the deposit of the word of God in their hands. That's not what he did. If God wanted to, he could make the stones cry out and preach and herald the gospel. If God wanted to, he could send legions of angels to broadcast the gospel to the ends of the world. God's big enough that he wanted, if he wanted to, with his sheer voice, would be loud enough to speak his name and his son's name to the entire world. But that's not what he did. God chose plan A to call you and I to a place of salvation and give us the gospel message that we might share it with our fellow man. How are we doing with our job? You might say it like this. Those ragtag, rough, tough, undisciplined, lowly, lifeless disciples, you might say that Jesus is uh, given the car keys of the gospel car to his teenage, immature disciples. What are they going to do with the message? I mean, think about when you turn your car keys over to your children. How how did you feel when that happened? I hope they make it home. I, 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 hope, well, I hope the car is in one piece when they get back. Jesus is turning over the responsibility and the task of carrying the gospel to the ends of the world. And he's called us to serve him. Three things I'm done. Number one, I want you to see the separation for supplication. Now, the word separation, preacher Darren, it speaks about a split. It speaks about a breakup. It speaks about a parting. You're right. It is being set apart from the world. You're not going to be able to act like the world and carry out the gospel. It speaks of, think about it, separation, speaks of a withdrawing oneself, a, a, an isolation, a, a um, seclusion, if you will. Look what Jesus did, verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. What did Jesus do? He went into a mountain. Now Jesus has been amongst the great crowds. There's a lot of miracles taking place. People's been saved. People getting healed. I'm talking about lepers being cleansed and, and, and deaf people able to hear and blind people made to see and, and, and people with issues of blood being, being cured. I'm telling you, Jesus was doing all kinds of miracles and the people are surrounding him. And all of a sudden, in the middle of popularity, in the middle of all the press of the multitude, Jesus withdraws himself into seclusion, into isolation. And I believe he went away from the press of the multitude, from the chaos of the crowd, to get alone with God and seek the face of the Father. Jesus intentionally, strategically, withdrew himself to the mountain to be alone with God. Well, why would he do that? He is God, you're right, but he's still man and he's our example and he withdraws himself to a place of seclusion, a place of isolation that he might pray and get direction and he might get guidance from God 
the Father. I want to spend just a few minutes tonight considering Jesus' separation to make supplication. Well, preacher Darren, in this text, verse 13, it doesn't say he went to the mountain to pray. It just said he went to the mountain and he called unto him whom he would. I'm glad you noticed that. I did too. And it made me run to other gospel references such as Luke. Turn there with me, chapter 6. Let's read the parallel passage in Luke chapter number 6. Verse number 12. I want you to see this tonight. Very important that you see this. Jesus took time to seek God's face in prayer. Now, as you're turning, uh, many things I could tell you about prayer personally. Uh, there was a time, a weird situation where God began to deal with me and I said, Lord, I, I need to get alone with you. Right? Well, preacher Darren, you get alone in the backyard, get alone up underneath the bed, get, get alone in the altar. There's a place that I used to go fishing over in Madison County, fished a lot over there. It, it was at the old mill dam and there was this huge stone there. We'd, man, we'd fish and fish and fish and, and just pull them in and, and I thought about God would make us fishers of me and I said, Lord, I want to meet you 60-some miles away on that rock. And I want to seek your face in prayer. Just me and you, we've made an appointment. And don't you know, by the weekend, I was going to go on Saturday, by the weekend, every single thing happened. I'm telling you, people, I need this. Preacher, you need to go do that. Preacher, that. And, and everything happened to where I didn't have time that Saturday to go over there and pray. And I'll tell you what, I was bound and determined I'm not canceling my appointment with God. I know he's going to be there. He's going to hold up his end. And I told everybody else, I can't. I called him and said, I can't because I'm going to meet God and pray. And everybody thought, you're crazy. You could pray anywhere and it still take care of our needs. But I'm not here to take care of your needs. I'm here to serve God. And as I serve God, then I'm enabled to get out and take care of needs. So I drove in my car. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I got over there. And when I got there, people was looking. I was in a shirt and tie. And I got on my face and laid on that rock before God, begging him to breathe on me, begging him to touch me, begging him to help me. And you know what he did? Bless God, he did it. And man, it was one of the greatest times in the walk and the ministry that I've ever had. Because before I began my Sunday, I spent my Saturday with God on a rock in prayer. I'm telling you that everything we do, we need to bathe it in prayer before we ever start. Now, I'm going to read a parallel passage and we're going to build a little thought. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, before Jesus, you write this down, pursues his messengers, before he pursues these disciples, before he puts them in a place of authority, look what he does. He prays. Look at verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. Of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. You can read the list in verses 14, 15, and 16. They're the same twelve that we read about in Mark chapter 3. The word of God agrees. Just when you thought, well, I didn't see the word prayer in Mark, there it is in Luke's gospel. He was there to pray. He prayed before he, about who to put 
in the ministry, about who to ordain, about who to appoint, about who to pass this ministry over. What did he do? He prayed all night. He got away from the multitudes and he prayed all night long. Now, I want to go backwards. Luke chapter number three, Luke chapter three. Now, that, that was really my third thought. And these are all going to start with a, with a P and then an M, the pursuit of messengers. I want you to go back to Luke chapter three. Let's look in verse 21. I want to talk about before, before his public ministry. Look in verse 21 of chapter three. Now, when all the people were baptized, they're coming to John, right? It came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. You ought to underline that because few of us realize that when Jesus came to his baptism, before he ever got in, he was praying. He wasn't praying because he needed to be saved. He wasn't praying because he had sin. He was praying for the glory of God to fall down upon that moment and that God would bless his ministry before he ever started. He's praying. And look what the result was of praying. There's a comma there. Look what it says. Somebody say it. The heaven was open. Hey, honey, when you pray, heaven is open. The Bible says, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. It pleased the Father that there stands the Son, amen, and the Son is praying, seeking the will, the guidance, the direction, the blessing of the Father, and the, when heaven's open, honey, the Holy Ghost falls upon him. Thank God before, listen now, have you ever thought about your calling before you go out to witness, before you start your day, before you crank up your car, before you do anything, do you take time to pray? And you say, God, I have so many duties, so much more responsibility than I can possibly do. Spend a day with me. Man, there are things that I do that I cannot do. I, I cannot possibly do some of the things that I do. But you know how it gets done? People say to me, so preacher, Dan, how? I said, I'm just telling you, it's God. It is not me, it is God, amen. And thank God, if we'll seek his face, he'll open heaven, honey, and Lord, I got, I'm gonna shout. And woo, and send you a blessing, and pour it out, and it'll be so big, you won't have room to receive it all. God called us to serve. Pray before we spend our public ministry getting out of public. Well, this thought continues in Luke chapter three. In verse number 21, I can't help but get excited. In Luke chapter number three, verse 21, it continues in Luke chapter five. I'm sorry, Luke chapter five. And verse number 15, it continues. Now, once again, Jesus has the multitudes pressing upon him. They, they, they have a lot of needs. Uh, uh, one thing that I've experienced about the ministry, and I hope this don't hurt your feelings, but when you're in the ministry and when you're trying to to help people, you're trying to pour what God gives you into the lives of people, it'll pull a lot out of you. It is, I'm going to say this because I've got experience doing it, it is easier to work on a car than it is to work with people. It is easier to work on a computer, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or lower your job, but it's easier to work on a computer than it is to work with people. It is easier to work on an object in isolation 
than it is meeting the needs and the demands of people because serving people can pull the life right out of you. It's a truth. And it's a monumental task. And yes, Jesus is God, but Jesus is also a man. And he needs the strength of the Almighty to help him. So in Luke chapter 5 and verse 15, now, but so much more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. He knew, he got to the point that if I'm going to continue meeting pressing needs, I need to slip away. I need to withdraw myself and spend some time in prayer. Mother, may I speak with you just a minute? Have you ever poured everything you have in your life into your children? and you felt like that your very strength was being pulled and taken away from you because as a mother, you're doing all you can to supply for your children. And there's just a time that you feel, amen, girls, that you feel like you just got to slip away and say, oh, God, will you help me? Because if my ministry as a mother is going to continue, I'm going to have to have the epic strength of Almighty God. Am I telling it right, ladies? Amen. And you see it for dads. And you see it for whatever you're doing in ministry, trying to meet people's needs. I want to say that there, you need to pray before the press of the multitude in your life. Now, we've mentioned chapter 6 about calling these messengers into the ministry. I want to go to chapter number 9. Chapter number 9 and verse number 18. I think before you present the message, well, preacher, dear, and I'm not a preacher Honey, you have a message to share. You've, you're not called to sit and soak and sour. You're called to serve. Luke chapter 9 and verse number 18. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. Well, preacher, if they're with him, he's not alone. He's probably a stone's throw away where they are. You know that backslid crowd. And he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answered, they answering said, John the Baptist, some say Elias, others say that one of the prophets is risen again. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Before, will you hear me, preacher, Sunday school teacher, mother, dad, uh, those of you that work in a school system somewhere, will you hear me? That before you'll ever teach a lesson, a, a great lesson, a good lesson, you need to spend time with God in prayer. Before he ever presented the lesson or the message, he spent time with God in prayer without distractions. We've got to get to that point. Preacher Darren, I'm getting your point. Well, if you do get my point, you'd pray more. In Luke chapter number 9 and verse 28, we'll just, just go down just a few verses. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter and John and James and he went up 
into a mountain to pray. What's he praying about now? Before a powerful magnification. Look with me in verse 29. And as he prayed, listen, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men which were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, that's his death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Thank God he should have stopped right there. But Simon Peter often opens mouth, inserts foot. He said, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Look what the Bible says. Not knowing what he said. It sounded good. Sounded, oh, he sounds so sweet and peaceful. But he just lowered the glory of God that he's just seen down to the equal with Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah are not equal with Jesus Christ. Okay? Read on. There came a voice out of the cloud saying this, uh, verse 35, I skipped 34. While he thus spake, there came a cloud overshadowed them. They feared as they entered into that cloud and there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. What was Jesus doing when he was transfigured before him? When his inside glory overshadowed his outside body. He was praying. Praying. Woo! Praying. Let me just think about it for a second. What's on the inside overcame what's on the outside. Kind of like popcorn. You see them little carnal shells? Little hard. You don't want to eat one of them. But you take them and put them in the right atmosphere called a microwave. And just in a few minutes, all of a sudden, you'll hear something pop. And what was on the inside overcame what was on the outside. And boy, mm, it sure is good. And we need to get to the place that when we're praying around here, that we'd get in the right atmosphere and we'd go pop, 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 amen. And we'd start getting in a place of not being carnal, a carnal kernel, but we would get in a place where the power of God begins to overshadow, lives in our soul, overshadows us on the outside. Where you just get to the case of I just can't help it and you shout and praise God for a while. And you know when it happened? Oh, it, it happened when Aunt Bessie was shouting. It happened when the choir was singing. It happened when the preacher was preaching. No, honey, it happened when they was praying. Amen? When he's praying, that's when it happens. A powerful magnification. Are y'all getting my drift? What about chapter number 11, verse 1? I told you I'm kind of hung up. I can't get off of this, but I feel like I got to get this out. Chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. Luke 11, verse number 1. Now, we're, we're talking, our point is, there was a separation for supplication. Jesus got alone to pray, and then these things happened. Luke 11, verse 1. It came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You, you know, Jesus was praying before he taught them about praying. <laughs> he prayed about promoting the model 
and he gives us the model prayer. He says, when you pray, say, and went through that whole praise God for it. Now, the disciples are evidently watching Jesus' life very closely and they have noticed that every time a miracle or some great phenomenal thing happens, it always happens after Jesus has been in prayer to the Father. And they've noticed it and now they've said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's, that's it's not, listen, it's not how to pray. You see that? Teach us to pray. There's a big difference, amen? Big difference. So, so he promoted the model. I've got to move on. Luke 22. Luke 22. i got two more. Two more. Jesus prayed before proclaiming the mindset. What's this? In Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Darren, Darren. No, no. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. John, John, Tony, Tony, Bruce, Bruce, Ray, Ray. Hey, he's desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee <laughs> that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Amen. Thank God after you've gone through a little sifting and we get away the bad stuff, there'll be some good stuff left and we can cook with it and make bread and feed a multitude. Jesus said, I pray for you. Honey, I appreciate the prayer list at Bethel Baptist Church. But if I want to be on a prayer list, I want to be on the prayer list of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, glory to God, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's prayed for us, youngins. He gets alone to pray for us. Thank God. He went up on the mountain with you and me in mind. Amen. Honey, listen, we've got to learn to pray, to get alone with God and pray. I, I just think about the results. I think just a year ago, I got a notification on my, on my phone in October of this last month that we just this last year had 24 hours of prayer. And the results were phenomenal for our church and for your pastor. I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me laying right back yonder under a pew. And I had last night to get in this place and commemorate that last night. Bad back and all, laid on my face underneath the pew last night. And you know what? It's just as good now as it was then. He's still in the working business. And he wants us to serve him tonight, amen. So he is making in intercession, intercessory prayer for us. Same chapter. Same chapter, verse 39. Verse, Luke 22, I might, um, yeah, verse 39. Verse 39. And he came out, he's after the Lord's Supper here, he came out, and as he went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, what's the place? He's gone into the garden of Gethsemane, where oftentimes he would go to pray. His, his disciples, after the Lord's Supper, all of them but one, followed him into that garden. And then uh, he took Peter, James, and John a little further, left the other eight. He went a little further. And then he even left them. When another stone's cast forward, he went a little further and left them to get alone. Bible says uh, uh, when he was at the place, he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, 
Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When did he pray? P.M., before the painful matter. He's getting ready to take upon himself my sin and your sin. He's getting ready to take... To, to drink the bitter cups of sin, the cup of God's wrath, take it upon himself that we might be saved. He's praying in that garden. He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. I don't want to have to drink this bitter cup, the sins of mankind. I don't know sin. However, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm telling you, you need to pray that God's will would be done in your life. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven I'm glad it said from heaven. There are some angels that with an appearance of light that are not from heaven that fall the devil into the lowest depths of hell. This angel is sent from God from heaven and strengthened him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. You know the story. Went, went back to pray again, came back there asleep again. You know the story. Shortly, Judas is going to come into that garden. Why would Judas come into that garden? Oh, because he's going to betray Jesus. He's, he's bringing all these soldiers and these chief priests and these elders. He's coming to betray him with a kiss. Judas, where is Jesus? He knew where Jesus was because he knew Jesus prayed. I wonder, does the devil know where you are? Are you in prayer? <laughs> does he find you in your prayer closet? Does he have to wait till you get out of it? <laughs> for he has to bother you, thank God for it. Jesus, uh, Jesus was betrayed by Judas. I want to go back to the book of Mark. And I want to say this, I want to move off this point. Prayer does not change the will of God. Prayer finds the will of God. Prayer aligns my will with God's will. I don't pray to change God's will. I pray to change my will. To align my will with God's will. In prayer, I find illumination for my mind. In prayer, I find moral and spiritual strength, refreshment for my soul. In prayer, in prayer, this is what I've learned. I've learned to ask God, for less things and more God. And I found out that when I have more God, I have everything. <laughs> By prayer, I am rich with his riches. By prayer, I am made strong with his strength. By prayer, I am made able with his ability there's no way that I could stand here tonight on my own. No way. My family knows it. But by the strength and the ability of God through prayer, glory to God, I'm able to stand tonight and preach His precious, infallible, inerrant, inspired word. So we've got to find a place to pray. And Jesus found a place, a solitary place for supplication. Now, I want to see our second point. Now, I know I'm hung up, but I'm hung up here too. Point number two, we're in Mark chapter three. He goeth up into a mountain. Why'd he go there? 
to pray. Thank God somebody said it. I was going to preach all them points again. He went up there to pray, amen. Somebody owes y'all a high five for saying that, amen. He went up there to pray. Now, the Bible says he calleth unto him whom he would. The word calleth. In the Greek, it means to summon someone. He's calling his 12 disciples. He is summoning them. There is a present participle. You may not care about the, about the, the position it is in, in, uh, in, in, in English or in Greek. You may not care. But it's important. The tense, present participle. Calleth. He called his 12 original disciples. He's not calling original disciples anymore but he's still calling people to serve him. So the word of God is archaic, preacher Darren. The word of God is, 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 is thousands of years old and, it, and it's out of date. No, honey, the word calleth means he's still calling. Amen for it tonight. This calling is a summons. Have you ever had a summons to court? Let's talk about it for a second, a summons. It is an authoritative calling. It has a binding assertion. It has a directive for compliance. This calling is not a volunteering. It is a sovereign act of Almighty God. Now I'm going to look at y'all and I'm going to look, look you right in the eyeballs. Come here, I will tell you this. You didn't volunteer for this. He called you. Not President Biden. Not the Supreme Court justices, not our governor, but God Almighty sent his son and he personally, <laughs> he personally called you to a place of service. He summoned you to serve him. I want to read John chapter number, uh, John chapter number uh, 15. Turn with me there. John 15. John 15. I want you to see it. John 15, verse 16. Oh, preacher Darren, I volunteered. No, honey, you did not. I appreciate you. Let me tell you what your part in this whole deal was. You did the sinning, and he did the saving. That's your part in this. And I'm going to show you what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Guess what? He's speaking to his disciples. He says in verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. <laughs> I told you. He called you. He chose you. It wasn't volunteer. He, God Almighty chose you. Now, now I want to read a little bit more. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Preacher, you're taking it out of context. Watch this verse 70. John 6 verse 70. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you 12, he chose them. It wasn't a volunteer thing. He chose those 12, comma, and one of you is a devil. Amongst the 12 disciples that Jesus personally called, one of them is a devil. It's Judas. Oh, preacher, wait a minute. He called them, that means they're saved. No, he never got saved. He never repented of his sin. Called of God, but never repented of his sin. God's gonna, the Lord's going to give him the power to preach 
and to teach and to heal and to cast out demons. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. You never repented. You never called upon my name. You never surrendered. Oh, I can think about, I, I want to mention Judas a little bit more later on. Think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah said in chapter 1 verse 5, he said, when I was, before you was in the belly, I formed you of your mother. I formed you and I separated you. you, you while you are still in the womb, I have ordained you. I have anointed you to be a prophet to the nations. That's what God said to Jeremiah. Do you know that in the book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 15, Paul said that it pleased God when he separated me from my mother's womb to call me to preach the gospel. It pleased God. This is a God thing. It's a choice of Almighty God. We're not summoned just to sit around here. We're summoned to serve. Some people, let me say this. Some people, they think they're doing God a favor when they sit in a pew. It's a good place to come and sit in a pew and hear the gospel and be encouraged and go out. Tell you something. While we're here, we need to be lifting up our hands encouraging each other rather than tearing each other down. You have a lot of opportunities in this church. You have a 9.30 a.m. prayer room on Sunday morning. You have a 10 a.m. Sunday school. You have 11 a.m. worship service, a 5.45 prayer room, a 6 o'clock evening service. You have a Tuesday night men's and women's prayer time. You have a Wednesday night service at 7 o'clock. You have a one-way group over here. You have a Christian school. Uh, you have revivals. You have Bible school. I'm telling you, you have all these opportunities in this church to serve God. And there's no way that every one of you could come to every single thing. Not even I can. But look at all the opportunities God's given us. And yet, we live a daily life before God and we need to serve Him every single day at home or in the marketplace, on the job, just like we do when we're in the church house. I sure hope that my staff at BCA knows Preacher Dan, when he's in the classroom, he's the same in the classroom as he is in the pulpit. He's the same when he's out in his basketball days uh, trying to coach ball teams. He's going to love us and tell us right. He's not cussing us and mistreating us. He's not cheating us. He's not scandalous. He's the same. Honey, you've got 24 hours a day to serve him. Serve him every opportunity you get. You've been summoned to serve him. That's our second point. You've been summoned to serve. Now, look back at Mark. I'm trying to move quick now. Mark chapter 3. He goeth up into a mountain. He calleth unto him whom he would. He calleth. He called the 12. Look, look here. And they came unto him. He called. Their responsibility is to answer the call. I wonder, is there anybody now he's called and somebody was disobedient? Somebody rebelled? Somebody rejected? We'll be judged for our obedience. We are accountable for our actions. God has a unique plan for you and your family in the body of Christ. And I'm here to lift up your hands and tell you, God has called you to serve him. Sing in the choir. Teach the classes. Come to the prayer meetings. Praise God in the house of the Lord and live your life before him in holiness. God's been so good to him. Pastor, wait a minute now, wait a minute, preacher. Now I'm, I'm struggling right here. 
Pastor Aaron, I thought these disciples, I think I pretty much read it already, that these boys have already been called. These boys have already been enlisted. I mean, let me say this to you. You need to write this down. Maturity must precede ministry. If you just get up and you're going to stand before people and you don't have any maturity about you to serve God, you're not going to help anybody. If you're immature, you're going to get up here and you're going to tear everybody's hands down. And when you hear that, then you know somebody's immature with the gospel. Simon Peter tried to take the high priest servant's ear off. He meant to chop his head off and he missed and he chopped his ear off. Now the man can't hear. But what did Jesus do? Put it back on. I was a young, I know what it's like to be immature of the gospel. A young preacher put me in the pastor. Let me tell you something. I thought tonight as I got in the car and I pulled in this parking lot and oh, thank God tonight I'm back at the house of God. I remember the first time I went to church on Sunday morning to preach to a group of people that was looking at me as a pastor. I had 23 people and I was scared to death. And I came back Sunday night and we had seven and three of them was me and my wife and my daughter. So that tells me, that tells only four people came back to hear me preach. And I preached anyway for about 30 to 45 minutes just as hard as I could. And I'm the same boy now as I was then, but I've just grown up a lot. And I'm going to tell you something, maturity must precede ministry. Now I'll say this, Preacher Darren, tell me about these boys calling. Why are they summoned to serve? I want you to think for a minute. The first thing he does is he gives you a summon for atonement. These are going to start with an A. He summons you for atonement. He summons you to a place of salvation. He calls you. He speaks to you. He, he enlists you. He, he woos you. He draws you. He convicts you to bring you to an altar or to a bowing of the knee and a repenting of the heart and the soul to call on Jesus Christ for atonement. Think about Matthew. Matthew in the gospel. Was he a disciple? Must Matthew is a disciple. And Mark chapter number 2, Mark chapter number 2, look at verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. Mark chapter number 2, verse 14. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Levi is the name for Matthew. Now we're in Mark chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. He arose and followed him. There, uh, there is a calling for salvation. And he begins to get saved. His atonement. I could show you other disciples when they first got saved. Now, go back to our list. Go back to our list. Look with me. We're back in Mark chapter number 3. He ordained 12. Look with me in verse 18. Who are the disciples? Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, and Matthew. There he is. There's Matthew. Matthew's one of the 12 disciples. We've seen his summoning for salvation, his summoning for atonement, his summoning to get saved. There's another thing. He is summoned for an allotment of training. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Follow me and I will make you to become what? Fishers of men. He's going to teach them. He's going to train them after you get saved. He's going to teach, he's going to train you. These disciples have a summons for atonement. They have a summons for allotment of training. I believe in this text right here is a third summons. It's a summons for appointment. Preacher Aaron, I'm not following you. Now look with me in verse 14. The Bible says he ordained 12. Ordained. Ordained. When a preacher first surrenders to preach, we don't all ordain him first thing, right? 
He's got to have some maturity about him. There's got to be some growth in his life before there's an ordaining, there's, before he is going to have an appointment, before Jesus is going to send these men out two by two to go and preach the gospel. And before he sends them out, he's going to ordain them. He's going to anoint them. He's going to sanction them. They're given authority to preach. Look with me, verse 14, that, they might be, that he might send them forth to preach. Verse 15, to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. These are apostolic signs. He summons them for a time of appointment. Look at chapter 6. Almost done. Chapter 6, verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve, and he began to send them forth two by two. Now he's summoning them for assignment. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He's going to send them out two by two, and listen, with their assignment, and when they come back, okay, I remember being a young preacher, and the Lord sent me out to preach. And I'd go preach here and go preach there. And then I'd come back home. And I believe when I came back home, God was giving me some assessment on things I needed to learn to do. I needed to learn to pray. I needed to learn to depend on Him. I needed to learn to handle the Word of God with care. I needed to learn how to study. I needed to learn how to present, uh, put together a study, a message, and present it. I needed to learn how to handle a business meeting. First business meeting I ever had, Lord have mercy, I didn't know what I was doing. Right? I still don't. I'm just telling you, there's summons. I got one more in chapter 16. Chapter 16, this should hit every one of us. So there's different summons, different callings in your life. A calling for atonement, a calling for an allotment of training, a calling for appointment, a calling for assignment. Here's a calling for acknowledgement, Mark chapter 16. I know it's a lot, but look with me in verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15, after his resurrection, what did he say? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is that? It's the Great Commission. He's commissioned his disciples. Now the Lord's going to be drawn away, Mark 16, 15. And now he's commissioned his disciples to go out. And here we stand. We are called to serve. Called to serve. Called to encourage each other. Called to lift each other's hands up. One of the last messages I preached here, I had two young men stand up here and I said, boys, I pull my hands down. That was pretty easy for them to do. It is really easy for us to pull each other down. My job is to lift you up. My job is to hold your hands up and encourage you. Your job is to hold each other's hands up. The man of God, lift each other's hands up. It's a hard time in which we now live. So I want to challenge you, get alone with God. Get alone with God. I could use one more point, but I'll, I'll, kinda, I'll just mention what it is and we'll be done. Thirdly, there's the servants he selected. There's 12 of them. There's 12 of them. I want to say this tonight about that. The servants he selected. This might uh, induce some Bible study from you. Get you prepared to come back next week when we talk about it. Thinking about the servants he selected, did you know that this list that we just read in Mark chapter 3, this, is, this intrigued me, it's mentioned four times, the list in the Bible. It's in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1. Four times the list of 12 names. And we're going to take a pop test to make sure you can name all 12 of them next week. Some of y'all said I ain't coming back. I'm just kidding. Did you know, this will intrigue you, that there are three groups of four men in all four lists. And the first one listed of the four 
is always the leader of the group in all four lists. But in all four lists, the order differentiates. What about that? That's crazy, isn't it? Jesus said about those 12 men, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? You take time to look back at your Bible and you stand as you do. Look at this, look at this group, the first group. Simon, he surnamed Peter. There's your group leader. James, John, Andrew. There's your four. Those are the four that are really closest to Jesus. You think about it. There's the second group, always headed by Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas. There's a third group, always headed by James, the son of Alphaeus. Your Bible says Thaddeus. Other places he's mentioned as Judas, the brother of James. Simon, the Canaanite, he's a zealot. And the last one in that last group, Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. Now you say, Preacher Darren, I really think Judas got it. My Bible says Judas went to his own place. My Bible says Jesus' words, those that thou gavest me I've kept and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Son of perdition. Who did he give the sop to? The son of perdition, Judas, right? Father, thank you tonight for our time together. Lord, help us as we leave here tonight to know that we've been called to service. Not called to sit souring, or sit soaking sour, but called to serve God actively every day in our lives. Lord, I pray for those that have uh, bereavement in their family for comfort. I pray for those that have sickness for relief of pain and for restoration of health. I pray, God, for those that are discouraged that, God, you would change around the situation and bring encouragement into their lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We look forward to the next time we can gather. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.